If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today is another expert episode, and I am joined by Daniel Chidiak, who is the author of Who Says You Can't? And what you may have known him from is he's the author of The Modern Breakup. If you have found yourself on Amazon looking for breakup books, you have very likely come across his book. I have been aware of his book for for years now, and when the opportunity came to have him on the podcast, I jumped at it, of course, and while reading his book, I realized exactly why his book has become so tremendously popular. He does such a great job of, it's a fiction book, but really can come across, I think, as a beautiful self-help book for people going through a breakup because the way that he walks us through the conversations that this woman has with friends, family members after going through her breakup, I think they're so validating. It's, I think it's really powerful when someone can put our thoughts and feelings into words when we can't do that ourselves. So we talk about what inspired him to write this book. We talked about his idea of closure. We talked a lot about what he thinks of the modern dating space, how breakups and dating are so connected. We talk about how to handle the modern dating space and how to set and energetic boundaries around that. We talk a lot about handling rejection. Daniel is so fun to talk to. I feel like I had so many insights just while he was speaking, so I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Welcome, Daniel, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is a huge honor to have you on. I, I let you know before we started chatting that I've been very aware of your book for years now, and so it's really great to be able to get to know you and chat with you about the book. Thanks for having me. Yeah, friend told me about your podcast, so that's a great recommendation. I'm always happy to get referrals for people that are <laughs> enjoying the podcast, so that's the big honor for me. I've you know researched some of your backstory and your rise to to stardom in the author space kind of seemed out of nowhere, but I know a lot of this stuff appears to be out of nowhere, but it comes from like a lot of a lot of work before. Yeah, Have you yeah. always enjoyed writing? No, actually, no. I only okay. started writing. I'm, I'm about to give my age away now. 
which isn't good. <laughs> okay. I'm 36. <laughs> I only started writing when I was 24. So I know some people think that's still a long time and I guess it is, but I didn't, yeah, it wasn't like I wanted to do this after I left school. I probably subconsciously thought I would never pick up a pen again after yeah. I left school. It just wasn't for me, like the whole study thing, even though I was good at it, I would say, like I, if I actually studied and I put my head down, I was good. But yeah, I was never one for English or, or anything like that. And that's the conception, that's the perception, you know, people are like, oh, you must have been really good at English. I'm like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's kind of the nice thing of once you get out of school, you can find your own style. I feel like in school, they want one particular style of of writing. And if you don't do, I was not a good writer in that space at all. But once I got out of college and I was like, oh, I can write in a style that fits Mm. more of me. So that's great that you were able to kind of rediscover it. What led you to start writing? Well, it's funny you ask that because usually when I answer it, I've always been sugarcoating it for like years when people ask because I think it's just too full on to say to people. But I honestly think I went through a conscious awakening, a spiritual enlightenment. People are a bit more open to it now. When I used to say that years ago, people were a bit like, you yeah. know, now it's it's bombarded with us on social media. So it's like, but I definitely, and and how it happened, I'm not really sure. Why it happened, I think for this very reason is to the express myself and to connect with people and to help people eventually. So yeah, I went through a conscious awakening through a pretty hard time in my life. I'd started a clothing business with my brother. That didn't do well. I was 23 at that time and had a $70,000 debt. So not the greatest start to life when you're 23. Literally had to dig holes to pay off the debt. I was laboring. And through that time, I just found myself. It's so funny that when you when you're at this rock bottom, and I was thinking about that yesterday, this rock bottom isn't so much of a bad place. It really puts everything into perspective and it's what can really help you move forward and make those changes and realize that you've still got the rest of your life to make the actual changes that you think you were making and you thought you were in this amazing place, but in fact, you weren't. You still had so much more growth. So I was at one of those points and yes, it, it did feel you know really bad at the time, but that's when I found myself and started writing and then I, I found my passion. It's That's a nightmare incredible. sometimes, I must say. I don't always want yeah. to write, but uh, people think, oh, you, you're living the dream. You're living your dream. I'm like, it's not always a dream. It's a it's a nightmare sometimes, you know? So it's hard work. It's not yeah. easy, especially, you know, the arts, any, anything in the arts space to actually make a living from it and to be able to sustain yourself from it is not an easy thing, but um, it came from a, a passion and not something that I, I did to try and make money. It was an expressive thing from what I was going through. I feel like that is very, I don't know why this came to mind, but I'm in this like podcasters Facebook group and so many people are like, okay, I'm starting a podcast. When can I expect to start monetizing it? And everyone in the group is like, if you're starting a podcast to make money, stop, <laughs> don't do mm, it right mm, now. Mm, and exactly, so much of that, exactly. I mean, I started Breakup Bestie as a like a blog where I just wrote about my experience and things. And then it's just morphed Mm. into something bigger than that. But I feel like when it feels like something you would do normally, it feels so much more aligned with, with you. And it's not something that you have to force. And yeah, there are days where I don't want to create new content. I don't want to record videos, but this is something that I did when I had another Mm. job, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what, why it's successful. And it's probably yeah. continued to grow because I've met so many people who have written books just to do seminars 
and yeah. stuff like that. You know, they're like, I want to write a book so I can sell it at seminars or I can start doing seminars and then I'm an author. I can honestly say that I've never met someone who's a successful author that has come from that space. I've never yeah. met someone whose book is big from that space. So it's all the intention of why you do something. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing either. You know, if that's why, if that's your intention, then maybe you'll be a successful speaker. But I've just never personally met anyone who's a successful author coming from that space. And people said that to me, you know, they're like, oh, you're doing this for the money. And I'm like, if I did this for the money, I'd have to be the dumbest person on earth because <laughs> I was writing for like five or six years and didn't see a dollar. I left a job and had no money to finish writing my book. So it's uh, it, it's not a good in business investment if that's what you're doing. Yeah, being a successful author is not not easy at all. And that's why I feel like when I first came across your book, I was like, oh my gosh, this book is so tremendously popular. And then after reading, I realized like, okay, I can identify multiple reasons why this book is so popular. But how did you go from just picking up writing at a rock bottom space to the modern breakup? Did you go through a breakup? I was wondering that the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, it's a question I get asked often. Yeah. I did, and I have been through a couple of them. Okay, I think as we all have. But I yeah. start. But my first book is "Who Says You Can't." You do so that the self help book came first, which I didn't expect for it to be a self help book. It's just my my thoughts and my feelings on paper, and then obviously, you know, that's the the marketing ploys. You have to label it, and you have to put it into a category. Yeah. But uh, the modern breakup came after that, and. They actually, in fact, wanted me to do it as a self-help book. Penguin Random House was really pushing me to do it as a self-help book. Which it kind of is. It's, as you I know, will argue that it kind of is, is a self-help all right. book. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in all honesty, it was never my intention. Even though I came from that background, I literally just wanted to capture what was going on. And, and it always came as a story. It, that's how it came through me, and I had to honor that. And the main character was a girl, as you know. So everyone was like, why don't you write it from a, a man's point of view. And there are male characters that speak and narrate as well. But the modern breakup book came from, I guess, yes, a breakup, but I didn't start writing it until two years after my breakup. So it wasn't so much of an emotional thing. It was more so a perception-based, observation-based book where I saw so many people going through the same things. And in fact, it was actually going to be called Conversations of a Modern Breakup. Okay. That's what I was initially going to call it because of all the conversations. That, as you know, there's it's just full of conversations between people because that's what I think we do when we go through a breakup. We're like chatterboxes, or that's me. When I go through something emotional, I'm the type like I'll talk to every single different person about it, you know, and get yeah. everyone's different opinion. I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> you just start opening same. up to the person speaking to you on the train on the train, you know. It's yeah. like you just want everyone's sort of opinion and you want to know why and you've got so many questions. So that's where it sort of stemmed. I saw that everyone was going through the same thing, and I'm like, no one is capturing the breakup part. Everyone's talking about, like in movies, in that's why I think Silver Linings Playbook was so great because it actually captured the breakup yeah. rather than just brushing over. It's like, oh, I'm crying for a couple of days and then, oh, I've just met someone else and it's, you know, happy ever after. It's like, that's not reality. That's a really good point. I actually have never, I've always thought that the media does not do a good job accurately portraying breakups but I've never actually thought about it that way where 
they do breeze mm. over. It's like a montage where like they're eating ice cream and friends are coming over. That's right. But then That's like right. the music yeah. stops and they come out and they're like a new person. But that is very true. Yeah, they don't yeah, really yeah. go it's through right. what is it like. No, and that's why I wanted to capture it. That's why the whole book, and that's why people think it's just about the breakup. It's like the breakup, as you know, isn't even really mentioned or it's not in detail how they broke up, what were the details of it. It's more the aftermath and recollecting the thoughts and the story starts to unfold through her perception of what's happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like it was something that I really needed to capture and connect with people on that basis because no one was really doing it at that time. So, yeah, that's where it stemmed. And, of course, things I wanted to say secretly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, did your, I wonder if your ex ended up people. reading that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they did. But Which um, one? They're all going to think it's about them. So we'll see. That would be so crazy to read a book written by an ex about your breakup. You're like, wow, I'm mm. really going to get into the mind here. I'd like to know if they have. Maybe they can reach out to the podcast. and the, like, Yeah. You know, yeah, please let me know. I would love to be the receiver of that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that your book does so well is I attempt to do that through this podcast and, and things, but you put into words the things that people feel that I I really think are hard to put into words. Just the way that you're describing, you talk, there's a lot of talk about closure, which I, I love. I like have a couple passages highlighted in here when you do talk about the idea of closure. I think you do such a great job of, and I want to talk to you about this too, of describing the modern dating scene, which I think a lot of people feel very disheartened by and really scared by. And and so I think you describe that so well. But before I get into that, could you just give like a little Cliff Notes version of the story for people who haven't read it yet? Yeah. So it's basically post-breakup and the main character is Amelia. And she goes through all the crazy thoughts, all the emotional feelings that we have after a breakup and during. And she really questions what dating means in the modern world. And she has all these conversations with people who give her different perceptions. So the book isn't just her narrating. It's also her mom, her best, her two best friends, guys that she meets are all giving their perception of where they're at in the dating world. So I think that's why so many people connected with it. So we get all these perceptions. And through that, I believe we find our own way and our own path to understanding what dating is. More importantly, understanding what we need in someone and who we are. So yeah. I think that's a, it's more of an awakening about the dating, an awakening of us in the dating world rather mm -hmm. than what is dating. It's like, what is it to us and what do we want? So I believe yeah. that she, you know, towards the end, she finds some kind of comfort in that. Yeah, I'm just putting this together too, but it is so much about dating. But I think we forget that breakups are a lot about dating too, because I think a big chunk of why breakups are so difficult is because not only are you losing this person, but you're also facing having to go back into the dating space and whether you were out of that space for one year, five years, 10 years, I get messages from people who haven't been on a date in 25 years. That's a huge mm. part of why a breakup can be so scary as it feels like you're having to start over and maybe enter a space that has changed a lot since you've been in that. Like a lot of people mm. are coming out of divorce. They've never been on a date. Making that connection that breakups are very scary due in part to 
having to get back into dating. I think that's a great connection to make. I think when we go through a breakup, we reflect on ourselves more than any other time. And I also think that we see it as our future and our perception of what our future would look like be broken into a million pieces. And we have to fit those pieces back together. What we thought was going to inevitably be our happiness and our fulfillment and what we had, this notion that we had in our mind of what this all means, and we've figured it out. You know, we've figured it out now because we're happy in this moment with this person, where in fact that is to me a little bit ignorant because I feel like we always need to be aware of the possibility of being on our own, and that's okay. You know, that sometimes things aren't set in stone, and it's not that I don't feel like that's a pessimistic way of going into anything or a negative way. It's that the love that you have for yourself is so great that you never forget that. And regardless of a breakup being, you know, hard, I think, you know, it can eventually, it has to make you a better person. It has to. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you really need to work on yourself because if you turn sour from it, if you turn angry from it, then it really hasn't done the job that only a breakup can do. I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can ever go through on earth. We don't want to go through them often, but when we do and you and you crack through that space, it feels like you've been born again. It literally is like you've just shed so much skin and then you realize that, wow, I wasn't in this place that I thought I was within myself. It's our biggest teacher. I agree completely. I say that all the time on the podcast that breakups are one of the best things we go through if we allow it to be that way. But I and I loved that you mm-hmm. said the word ignorant because I was just messaging with someone the other day and you know, I get so many messages of what if that was the best person for me and I completely lost them. And I was saying like isn't that super ignorant for us to think that we know everyone we're ever going to know or we're going to be the same person we are now in 10 years or our tastes aren't going to change? It can be ignorant to think that what we had and we should be able to reflect back on our lives, especially those of us that are in our 30s and 40s and look back and say, wow, I thought I wanted this at one point, but now I would never want that. But we always we Mm. tend to forget that in the moment of a breakup and think, this moment in time is going to last forever. This moment in time or this relationship, I'm never going to be able to capture the magic of that again. But I do think that is kind of an ignorant way to, yeah, yeah. to operate. Mm. I think that's a good point you brought up. I-, I was actually having a conversation with a friend in Sydney and we're going for a walk in Bondi. I don't know if you've been in Bondi. It's beautiful, but we're going for a I'm walk there. It wasn't about a breakup. Oh yeah, you got to go. <laughs> and we were actually talking about something else. It was more work related. And I was saying to her and I was like in this moment of regret and I'm like, I should have done this. I should have been like, I don't know how I was so stupid. I don't know why I didn't, didn't take that opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And she just looked at me and she said, you only know when you know, Yeah. you know, when you know. So, and just going back to your point is like, oh, you know, what if I screwed it up? What if that was the best person for me? Blah, blah, blah. You only know when you know. So at that time, that wasn't meant to be because you you didn't act. Even if maybe you knew it, you didn't act on it. So you didn't really know it. And I think this is where we have to believe in some kind of divine timing. And I think that our actions do definitely impact our life and they shape our life. But there's also times that happen in life where you're just like, that was meant to be from some divine thing that was just meant to happen. So I think we need to trust in that and we need to understand that at that moment, 
you just weren't ready for whatever reason. You just had more work to do. And maybe it just meant that you didn't love yourself enough to accept someone like that. But I don't, still don't think that that was the person because at that time, you just weren't there. So you can look back now, but hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? Hindsight's always a beautiful thing. We can all do that. We can look back and say, why didn't we invest in that stock you know, from 20 years ago? Why yeah. didn't we invest in Apple when it was first put on the stock market? Or like, <laughs> there's always that. But we didn't because we didn't. We didn't know, right? And that's the way life goes. So really? I think it's really important to understand that you are at this space now where you do understand. And that's such a beautiful place to be because moving forward, you can make those other decisions that will benefit your life, that yeah. you do now understand that you want to be loved and that you do want to re be respected and you do want someone who's kind to you and you're sick of the games. Whereas before, you might have been too insecure to, to receive that and that's okay. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. You're not always complete at every moment of your life. I think once you let go of that regret and that guilt and you take the pressure off yourself, that's when you really allow doors to open for you. Like they say, you've got to let go of the past to grab the future, right? If you're holding on to the past and that's where your hands are, how can you ever grab onto the future? How can you ever be open enough to allow it to come in? So I think we we need to get rid of that regret that if anything, that's that's the first step is let go. Learn to just let go and forgive yourself. I love talking to you. I feel like I'm making so many connections as you're talking. But this <laughs> idea of closure, what you're talking about, obviously there's a part of closure where if you know, your ex just said, I'm done, doesn't give an explanation. Yeah, that's closure. But I do think a lot of people hang on to the idea of closure, but it's not any, I mean, I don't think you ever really need anything from your ex, but a lot of the time I think it's, they're not letting themselves off the hook. They're continuously trying mm. to change their own story within that. So that's why they're not allowing, they're not telling themselves they have closure because it feels like they have things that they wish they had said or wish they had done. But I've never really associated sure. the two, but I do think closure also has a big thing to do with how you attach yourself to the story of the breakup in the relationship. Yeah. I think to me, closure, we don't ever really get it from the other person. I truly believe that if you're the one who's been broken up with and you're heartbroken, yeah. there's always going to be that. Even if someone literally flat out told you exactly what it was, you'd be like, no, but but just two days ago, they said they love me. And, totally. you know, it's like you, you would argue it's with so it. hard to. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's because you don't want to let go. You, like I said before, it feels like your future has been broken into a million people and it's understandable and it's okay to feel like that. And you, sh I, I'm a big believer in that you should go through all the motions of a breakup. I think closure comes from realizing that person wasn't right for you regardless, because if they were, they'd still be there. That's the end of the story. So once you accept that, that's when you get the real closure. It's more of an acceptance within. It's got really nothing to do without. It's all an inner journey. It's all within. The work all has to be done within. And once you realize that, and you get that self-love back because I'm guessing if you got to this place where your whole life is crumbled down because someone's left you, it's because you were putting way too much attention on them and way less on yourself. And it's okay to be attentive to someone and loving and caring and kind, but you also have to be that for yourself because at the end of the day, you came into this earth alone and you will leave with you. 
Yeah. So I think that's the most important thing. So that's where I think closure comes from. It's an it's an inner journey more than anything else. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I agree. I'm actually going to read the the little quote that uh, the quote that I highlighted about closure because I just love what it says. But it says closure comes from knowing ourselves, knowing our worth and finally realizing what we deserve. It's seeing the other person for who they really are, not who we've made them to be in our head. I don't think he really knows why he acts the way he does. I don't think he truly knows himself. If anything, your closure right now is knowing how confused he is, which is so good, too, because a lot of times when people end relationships, they don't even have the emotional capacity or the emotional maturity to know why they're ending the relationship. They're just like, That's I don't right. feel right in this. So I just have to get out. So we're asking people to give us an answer that they might not know themselves. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that the fact that he was, that she is so confused and that he was giving her these mixed messages shows that maybe he doesn't even really fully understand it yet, but maybe that'll come out in part two if I okay. finally write it. <laughs> so yeah. We'll so be waiting. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, this is her perception, right? So we haven't heard his side just yet. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so there's uh I agree with you. I think that you know, sometimes we're not at the emotional maturity or have the mental capacity yet at certain stages of our life to comprehend. And then you have like I was to even talk about rejection, because I don't even think it's just about relationships. I think rejection are mini heartbreaks in this day and age. You don't even need to know someone for long. You can know them for two weeks and it feels like a heartbreak for someone for two years. It's it's crazy, yeah. right? And I, I think if we're going to get a lot deeper into it, I think it's a lot of it's got to do with so many insecurities and too much sensory input, too many people's energies through dating apps and 
they're just insecurity hot pots. You know, it's like one day this person likes me and the next minute that person swiped me, but he's not writing back. And it is absurd. And it's ridiculous to have that many people's energy, you know, consuming you, I guess. So, you know, going back to the point, I think that that is the major thing is that we don't always know how someone is at that moment. And by us putting so much investment into them, we're not really understanding where they're at. And everyone has their own experiences and their own emotional torment sometimes. And we're using that as a reflection of ourselves. It must be me. There's something that's happened with me. We're usually a lot of the time rejection or it's got like nothing to do with you at all. And you know that's why you'll, you'll see someone be with someone else who doesn't treat them even half as good as you were treating them or in your perception, uglier than you. You know, like I have girlfriends who you know, like, I can't, and it's so egotistical and so surface, but, but it's everyone real, right? Does and I'm not it. anyone to be the like, looks. Yeah. everyone does that. And this is, this, we're going to be open and honest about it. It's like, you know, they'll message me and be like, what's he doing with her? Like, she's not even that good. I can't believe And I'm like, it's not about that. You know, it's not about that. Maybe this is what he needs at this stage of his life. It's really got nothing to do with you. It's all about energy, you know? So like he could be at that stage where he's not willing, he's not ready to accept what you're offering. him. Maybe in 10 years time when it's too late, he'll look back and say, well, she was a great girl. You know, like I wish maybe I had have given that a bit of a more of an opportunity, but you would have moved on by then and met someone who, so it's, it's timing, it's energy, and that's why we have to really learn as hard as it is to try and not take things personally. That's really, really tough. It's really yeah. tough in such an insecure world. It's really tough. But this is why we have to always know who we are and love ourselves because yeah. that's the ultimate answer. That's the ultimate answer. It's this is all a journey within. If you're ever getting obsessed with someone or attached to someone that you hardly even know and you haven't been with them for long, this is all a reflection of you. And I say it's never about how good they are. It's always about how bad your relationship got with yourself. Yeah, I was actually watching your Instagram video on that earlier today, and that was so well yeah. put about if you are getting obsessive and things like that, which I do think. And I do definitely want to get into mm -hmm. at the end talking about the the dating our current dating world and how I mean, if we think about it, like it's so easy to meet, match with someone, go on their Instagram. You know so much about them so soon and you can almost like just start putting yourself in their life. I think it's really easy to get swept up in that. But going back to what you were saying about the the energy I think that's a really good term for it. But a lot of my friends and I were, were like newer moms. And so we're talking about this idea of like how long we've been with our partners and and how you really don't know a lot of things about your partner until you're, the rubber hits the road and you have a kid and you're like up all night and all of those things. And there are so many people who, I mean, having kids fails a lot of marriages and it's because we just don't really know what we're going to be faced with. And we don't know how we're going to react to these kind of situations. We don't know how our partner is going to react and things change over time. It's, it's not even necessarily that people fell out of love or found someone else. It's more like, wow, our energies right now are, they're just not working and they're not meant to be. Mm, that's such, that's the hardest thing to accept because yeah. it seems so simple. And that's like, it's the simplicity that is, that's where the honesty is, is the fact that it is literally all about energy. And when you're in a great space, when you're in a storm, 
that's almost impossible to see, right? Because you've just, your mind's run away from you. You're questioning everything. You're questioning yourself. You're questioning the world. You're questioning why am I alive? Because <laughs> this person's rejected me. It's so extreme. It's so, you know, like it's it's crazy, right? Yeah. And that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I think we get that. But no, I think it is very true. Yeah. It just crumbles our whole world. And I literally think it's all about energy. But like I said before, with the video you just watched recently, it's the energy within ourselves. This is all pointing back to ourselves as much as, you know, we want to ring up our friends and we want to complain about the dating game. I've been there. I've done it so often. And then when I've reflected, when something's happened in my life and it's forced me, it's humbled me, it's made me reflect on everything. I'm like, wow, that was pretty petty. You know, like it was such a surfaced way of looking at things. This is all me. This is me. I'm not in the space. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. You know, and that's what we have to accept to ourselves. We can go and complain about everyone else. We can complain about everything. At the end of the day, it is all about energy. And when you don't take things personally, you realize that. And when you love yourself, I always say too, self-love cancels out taking things personally. It truly does. When you love yourself, you don't take things as personally anymore because you see it from a different perspective. You understand it more. Yeah, and, and I think that's really important. It's, I loved, yeah. I was listening to another podcast and someone was saying like, think of the characteristic that you love about yourself that you know, like, for example, I don't think I'm a dumb person. So like if someone called me dumb, I would be like, Okay, that's cool that you think that, but like I know that's not true about myself. But then if it's something mm -hmm, that you feel insecure mm -hmm. about, it's so it's like, how do we nourish the areas that we feel insecure about? So when it comes to it, if someone were to walk out of my life, I would think, oh, that's their loss, or this just wasn't meant to be. Not, I'm not a good enough person. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, you know, exciting mm. enough, or whatever that looks like. Yeah, we're always going to take rejection as a reflection of ourselves. I think that's a natural thing that we do, especially initially. So, you know, we're not going to sit here and be ignorant and say yeah. it's never going to affect us because it is. It affects me. It affects all of us. But you have to be in a position where those bullets scrape you. Don't let them hit you. They, they can't hit you too much. If they're hitting you too often and they're really affecting you, then that is all a reflection of you. It has got nothing to do with what that person said. It yeah. really doesn't because you need to build yourself up so much and love yourself so much that regardless of what they say, yeah, it might affect you, but it's not going to keep you down. If everything that someone's saying to you is affecting you and bringing you down and keeping you down and you're stopping, you know, I know people that have given up their dreams because of the dating game. It's crazy. It seems so extreme, but they've literally just, they've exhausted themselves so much and they're dating so often that the sensory input and the energy and other people's energy has consumed them so much and beaten them up so much that their dreams have just like gone off in the distance. Yeah. Their dreams have just like literally just faded away. And it's happening more often than not. We are so consumed with other people's opinions of us and the energy that we feel from being rejected that, it is literally stopping us from living our best life and living the life that we truly want to live. I truly I believe that it is sucking the energy out of us. You have to limit it. You have to limit how much energy you're allowing into your life. You're not going to really 
you know, I know so many people have met people on dating apps and that's great, but it depends what space you're coming from. If you are ready to allow that many people's energy, if you are secure enough, then go for it. That's my advice in that situation. But if you're not, if you feel like you're on the edge and things are affecting you really easily, you need to get off. You need to get off and you need to find yourself. That's perfect. So I'm really glad you gave that advice on if it feels overwhelming to take a step back. And because I hear this all the time from my friends that are single, they say this gives me so much anxiety. It's so overwhelming. It's so exhausting. And I love what you do in the book of you set out the reality of what it's like to date in this day and age. And you you set out its its faults and like what's wrong with it. But then you also counteract that by it. That doesn't have to take over. It doesn't have to be this thing that sucks the energy out of you. It can be something that kind of a, that shows you how to balance your relationship with yourself while also letting the energy in that you're capable of letting in. 100%. 100%. And I think that's like, like I said, it's all a reflection of us. Yeah. And allowing that. I think a lot of people will be, will feel validated to hear that not everyone can handle being on dating apps because I think people especially mm. who are very sensitive to other people's energies you you don't think that you think you're just logging on to an app but really you're like mm. here i am to like hundreds of people yeah. that's very scary if we actually that's get right. down to it yeah and i think it's obviously you know like the attraction part of it is very natural we're swiping people who we think uh whatever are hot or not hot and i think that happens in everyday life we're walking down the street we look at someone that's the first thing that we see is are we attracted to them physically they don't have to be the most beautiful person. Is there something about them that we find attractive, physically attractive, energy or whatever? But I think that when you're putting yourself out there and you're doing it with so many people, as I said before, I think it's also a reflection of the insecurities that you have. Because when that person that you think is a little bit hotter than that other person, that person who's a little bit hotter might actually be the worst match for you ever. You're not really looking at that yet. Yeah. Yeah you're only going on the way that they look. So therefore, you're going to be like, oh, they're not responding to me, so I must be uglier than them. They're better than me, right? Yeah. Not the fact that you haven't even met up with this person yet to realize energy-wise that they're probably the worst person for you ever and you don't even actually like them, but you're basing your whole self-worth on a picture of somebody and the attention that they're willing to give you and you don't even know them yet. Yeah. Uh. Like I'll have girlfriends literally ringing me up being like, you know, besides themselves because someone on a dating app hasn't responded to them and we've been talking and now he's just gone silent and it's like, you don't even know this person yeah. and we all do it. And they, they're, then they're insecure and then these other guys that are talking to them and giving them attention who they actually were liking engaging with are now put to the side and they don't even care about them. They don't even want to talk. They're not responding to them now. So it's like they're doing exactly what this other person is doing to them. And it's just insane. Like I say, I think it can be an insecurity hot pot. Because oh, yeah. you're talking to so many different people. This person's talking to you. This person's not getting back to you. Then this one is. Then this one all of a sudden doesn't. And you're just like, your energy is so consumed with dating and it gets sucked in. And it's not until you're out of it that and you're looking at it from the outside or something's happened and you're like, oh, my God. What's this space that I've been in? I've completely neglected everything that's good in my life for this. And you're like tunnel visioned into this world. It's consuming way, way too much of our energy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We it spend was that never much time meant on, to be like this. 
Yeah, we spend that much time on dating apps and then we're on yeah. Instagram where it's not the same thing, but it's like it's kind of I mean, you're seeing people in these can be yeah. very out there showy relationships. You're just seeing all these things that you're not. And then the dating apps, it's like, oh, mm. that's why I haven't heard from this person, because I don't look like this girl that I just saw on Instagram or TikTok. Like that is so exhausting. To yeah, get sucked yeah, into exactly. That. And it is. That's why there's more to more to life than your phone. Yeah. And I think we have to we have to understand, like I said, you know, it's all a reflection of us. And are we ready? Are we secure enough within ourselves to be engaging in activities like that? That's that's got to be the question. And if things are getting to you too much, if they're affecting you too easily, you need to back off. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. It's just like you a, need to go a, build yourself again. It's an indicator that there's more work to be done, which there's always more work to be done. But if that's, that's right. really uh, impacting you, it's like, that's why I tell people when they say, when is it okay to start dating again after a breakup? And I say, there's not like a finish line you need to reach before you can date. And you know what? You can log on to a dating app and then be like, nope, this is not for me. And you can just go right mm. off of it. It's not something that you have to like, okay, once I enter this dating space, I'm not getting out until I find the person I'm marrying. We don't have to do it that way. It's something we can test yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It's something we can try out. I think those kind of situations can be a great mirror to realizing what we still need to work on in ourselves. So it, it can be like this great little practice lab where we try things out. And if it's not working, we can step back. For sure. For sure. And I think that the old school way of even you know, meeting someone out seems like a thing of the past. And I don't think the clubs or the bars are the best place because obviously when someone's in that situation, there's they're coming in with their ego. Yeah. Ego's rampant in a place like and that. And alcohol. You know? <laughs> even some restaurants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like even some restaurants, you know, you go to a nice restaurants and there's people that's sort of like a bar restaurant. Everyone's when you're out, you're getting dressed up. How much of you of that person are you really seeing? So I'm a big believer in if you are really seeking a relationship and that's what you really want. I think you got to go to places that you're that you're interested in. Like, yeah. what are your interests? And go to those places more often because you'll probably meet someone who's got similar interests, and you might actually be able to have a conversation with them and get to know them. Yeah. Whereas it might not be as surfaced in the beginning. I think that could be could be a bit of a winner. I agree. I was just telling someone this on someone else I was interviewing, but I know three people in my life that have met their husbands at the same music festival, this country music festival that we have here in California. Three different go. people met their husbands there. And it's like, cause they went to have fun with their friends and they, and you know, they were in a good mind mm. space and they weren't necessarily there to go meet a partner. But yeah, I think those kind and of examples interests. are amazing. Similar, similar interests. interests, letting yeah. loose. S- just similar interests. They both, yeah. They both like country music, you know, that's a thing. Cause it's like, you know, not everyone I'm guessing well, especially in Australia, we don't, there's no real country music here yeah, yeah. in America. It's huge. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> like I just watched the free diving, um, that free diving show on Netflix, the movie. Yeah. Or the documentary, sorry. And you know, those two, okay, those, I, I won't kill it too much for people, but those two people in love, they met free diving. They met as free divers. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I are both, we've both been sober for 10 years now. We met through sobriety and it was like, you know, great. that was a great, pl- I mean, yeah, we had like instantly had very similar values and things and we have like a common yeah, past awesome. and struggle that we have. And it's like, yeah, those are the kind of places that we want to meet people. It's like yoga classes or at the CrossFit gym or at a music festival or out on a hike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. So 
Well, Daniel, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your insights. I hope everyone reads both your books, but The Modern Breakup, it's amazingly quick read and it, it really struck a chord with me. And I know if you're going through a breakup and you read that, you'll be like, oh, this is how I've been feeling. Someone put it into words. So, so yeah, I hope you do write the sequel to it. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. It might be worked on slowly. Yes, I think that would be good. We'll have you back when you write that. So so thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate your time. No, I appreciate you having me. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.